0: Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Romans chapter 12 verses 9 and 10. Hey everybody, I'm Chris Dowd.
1: And I'm Reagan Gilliland. And I'm Julie Henson.
0: And this is Off Script, a podcast where we take a deeper dive on our last sermon series, talk about the theology behind it, and get a chance to discuss anything that ended up on the cutting room floor. And we are talking about a mini-series. We don't do very many mini-series around here, but this was a two-week mini-series on...
2: Community!
0: Community. Fun fact, with all of my dental stuff, community is not an easy word to say.
1: Really? Yeah, and
0: so I got... Yes, and I had to say it like forty times. <laughs> oh, you know what else is not easy to say? Forty.
1: Forty. Uh. <laughs>
0: so yesterday I'm up preaching, and I and the second time, know, third time. So this is eleven o'clock, and I'm looking at the slide, and I'm you know looking at my notes, and uh, I had to say community, and I was thinking to myself, like in the moment, why did you keep choosing words that are hard for you to say? Like you, you can mm-hmm. you can do this. You can make it easier on yourself. And all that's going—that's going through my head as I'm as I'm beginning to preach the sermon. So I—I'm sure I seemed a little bit distracted. Did I? You were in there?
1: No, I think so. All right, good. Thank you. It would have—it would have distracted me because part of the scripture on Sunday was "be joyful in affliction."
2: <laughs> Why is that? Why would that? Distract?
1: Well, because if you're saying I'm community afflicted. is like, and it's frustrating you, well, okay, be, oh, joyful. be joyful. Be joyful in this affliction. Nice. Be joyful in this affliction.
0: <laughs> it's a self-chosen affliction too. Yes, it was required. Anyway, let's talk about my dental stuff later. Yes. What did you think about the sermon series, Reagan? (laughs) Did you like the subject?
2: Well, I love community. So yeah, I'm all about it. It's like your jam. It is my jam. So to start off, my first question for both of you is um, what do you consider, what was your like first intentional community? Like what was your first memories of like really good community in your life? Well,
1: yeah well it once i don't think it will surprise anyone that for me it was at the church i i was at the church all the time i was living at the church as a preacher's kid and so but my my first intentional community was not out of something that my parents created or made me go to it was really in youth group and i think confirmation sixth grade fifth grade um uh we had a group of teachers that were consistent every week that began to pour into my life. And so um, one of them, uh, her name is Lisa Hampshire. She, uh, she knew when I was there and when I wasn't there. And um, I just didn't want to miss. And um, she was somebody that I'm still connected to today and somebody that I would go and, um, and have just lunches with and coffees with. And, um, she took me to the Czech Republic, um, when I was in college. Um, and, uh, that's where I had my calling to ministry. And so, um, uh, her ability to form and create community and care deeply for those of us who were in it made the world of difference for me. Okay. What about you, Chris?
0: Yeah. Church for me too. I know we saw a couple of preachers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like comp- Lame. Um, And then, you know, I mean, sports teams and scouts for a while. But the one that was, that always, I mean, I I really, well, I'll always be very appreciative. This is kind of the first sermon I did about being raised in the church. Mm -hmm. Because um, I, I I mean, I I always knew with a kind of growing awareness, the older I got, that that particular community was the most important one (laughs) because it was, it had, like it was, it was about the most foundational things. And so, um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a homer for the church.
1: Well, and I had community in other places too, as Chris said, with sports and I was a big theater nerd in high school and in speech and debate. And as I think about all of those places, they're all so competitive. That's, that's ingrained in part of the community for, for different, um, theater performances that we were doing, uh, you had to try out for each and every one. So you were competing with your friends and uh, same thing in, um, in sports and, and especially when I mean, we did tournaments every weekend and speech and debate. And so we were always looking at who's first, who's second, who's third. And church was the only place where it didn't matter where I was ranking that week or how good I had been or how, um, how much I was achieving. I could just go and be me. Um, and that was really the first place that I could just go and not have to perform.
2: Okay. So yeah, no, that's a good point. So that kind of goes into that second one Mm. is what makes church community apart, like sets it apart. And you kind of named one thing is not going in trying to be competitive or who's first. Like you're just, you're just arriving as you are. Um, So what are some things that like, what does a healthy church community look look like? Cause we've all maybe seen or even been part of an unhealthy church community. Mm.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So that's a multi-layered, mm-hmm. multi-layered question, but I, I think what what sets ch- sets church apart is that it's about the most important things. It's about God. It's about our relationships with God and each other. Uh, it's about how we're called to live our lives. You know, whatever we end up doing for for a living. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the, I mean, it's all about meaning, meaning and purpose and eternity and all those. I mean, all the most important existential questions. Where, in my opinion, it becomes unhealthy, potentially, is when it stops being about those things mm-hmm. and starts being about judgment or starts being about um, oh, God forbid politics, mm-hmm. partisan politics in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's focused on the mission of the church, which is to bring introduce more people to Jesus and bring more people into the family of God and then care about everybody else in the world as a, as a core part of who we are, then I think we're on steady ground. And I've, I've actually not been a, a, a part of really unhealthy churches. I've had a couple of uh, unhealthy pastors along the way mm-hmm. that, but that doesn't change. That's always been my, my thing. Like we had, we had a, growing up, we had a, a, a priest that we adored. You've heard me talk about him before father. reed and then we moved, we, um, still in Maryland we built a house, a different parish and the Catholic church. You go, you have to go to the parish. You live in. Mm-hmm. And, um, this, this other priest was, um, he was, uh, uh fine at many things <laughs> and then he was like extraordinarily racist about some things because mm-hmm. he, he had fought in world war ii in the pacific and he um boy that really mm. negatively impacted him for the rest of his life and and we, we shuddered. you have to go to church every sunday no matter what sunday it is so mm. around memorial day or veterans day mm-hmm. we were we were we were in for a uh, <laughs> not very christ-like sermon mm-hmm. but that didn't change the ethos and culture of the church i mean it, that was about him and kind of his hang-ups um and you know we're all imperfect um mm. not necessarily behind the pulpit <laughs> mm-hmm. um but that didn't change the fact that the church was really important and the church was still doing very important things and and we were you know spiritually fed as part of that church
1: Yeah. I don't know that I've had a time where I was part of specifically an unhealthy church, but I do remember the first time that the church disappointed me, Mm -hmm. um, hurt my feelings. Um, and, uh, I didn't know how to come back from that. And I remember my dad saying to me, Julie, this is an imperfect place with imperfect people. Mm -hmm. And so uh, to me, a healthy church is a place that always comes back to that, that capital G grace, um, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. lives by that grace. Um, with imperfect people um and, and in imperfect systems um we can always be doing better that's why we keep coming back is because discipleship talks to us and and, and teaches us to come back to that over and over again
2: so one thing you know one thing that i think we want a church community to be is like really close like sharing their ups and downs like you're talking about the real stuff like that's what you want but then there there comes a point where a church can, community can become unhealthy because it almost becomes cliquish. Like they get so close, they can't let new people in. So right. that's like, how do you strike that good balance of like, man, you want them to be like family, but you also, always got to be looking for the person that wants to come in. Mm. Um, I find that that can be a difficult thing to navigate and mm-hmm. create in church community. I don't know if you all feel that way but
1: oh completely yeah because what you're striving for is for people to experience a level of life together that is not only real but that that binds you together in a way that you you have a shared sense of story together Mm -hmm. a shared sense of understanding even theologically um through through what you have gone through together and so to let somebody else into that Mm -hmm. I don't know that that's always even the best idea. So when I have done small group ministry back, um, I would actually walk groups through what kind of group do you want to be? Mm. Do you want to be an open group or do you want to be a closed group? And I know that that sounds really exclusive, yeah. but it's so much worse for somebody to walk in and, and feel on a part of something because you have a shared history that, that you simply just can't be a part of. Yeah the inside
2: jokes and the things you you know you can't but so that's what it is really um i don't know how some groups do it like even group we've got some school groups here that have been together for years and yet um and this is not to talk bad about groups that are are closed but to remain open and like new people can join in like that's that's really a difficult thing to do and Mm -hmm. but i don't know but yeah you're right it is
1: I think it takes a certain kind of leader Mm -hmm. to articulate that DNA over and over to the group Um, so that when you come in and in that in that particular gathering and in that particular setting, the expectation is, is that there there is not inside jokes. There is not a you versus me or a um, insider outsider feeling, but Mm -hmm. it takes a very intentional and invitational leader leading those types of groups in order for that to function well. Yeah. Um
2: okay, so Chris in week one you said um I don't understand why anyone would deprive themselves of the community, but I know you know that there are reasons why people aren't part of a church community. So do you wanna talk about uh why people are hesitant to join or are maybe totally against being part of a church community?
0: So a couple of things. I first of all, I'm pretty optimistic about the church. Um it, Which is is an, good. <laughs> it is an imperfect <laughs> yeah. organization made up of imperfect people, but, um, and I think this is probably a pastoral concern. Like there, there comes a, a time in everybody's life where they really need that spiritual group of people mm-hmm. or that spiritual group that's in their corner. And, um, I get that people, uh, get burnt by the church because it's an unhealthy church with terrible theology or that's exclusive if you're in the gay and lesbian community, there's obvious reasons why Mm -hmm. you wouldn't want to be part of lots of different churches. And it's also true (laughs) that the church that's described by Paul Mm -hmm. in the 12th chapter is a church that absolutely is for everybody. Mm -hmm. And so our call is to make it that way. And, you know, (laughs) we live in a, in a fallen world, that sometimes is incredibly dark. And it's, it's, once you find your people, it's hard to, want to let other people in like even if it's it's not a conscious thing Nobody, right very few people are like consciously like no stay away from me mm-hmm. but but you do find your your peeps and every new person that comes changes the dynamic in some way and so there's this you know that there's a, a, a beautiful liturgy in the uh it, i think it's in the book of worship it might be in the hymnal for there's, there's actually an official liturgy for when someone leaves the church. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. moves away. Mm-hmm. Not like gets mad and leaves. Yeah. That's a different <laughs> liturgy. Um, But it talks about how the church is a family that's formed and reformed over time. Mm-hmm. And as, and during some seasons that's tough. And then during some seasons it's easy breezy. And um when you live in a, an area like Plano, actually we, we're pretty stable now. Uh, at, we lived, I started my ministry in Richardson which was not exactly transient like Frisco in the old days, Mm -hmm. but there were still people who would come and go. And then we moved to Henrietta where it's the same group of people all the time. Mm -hmm. And then Sherman was still a little bit steady in here in Plano we're a pretty stable community. We still have people come and go for various reasons, but in a church hour as large as ours, it's, it's not as disruptive, right? When people come and go, even though you hate when people move away that you Mm -hmm. love and all that, but still like when you've got a Sunday school class, say, and your class has um, maybe it's like 10 couples that are consistent. Lots of people come and go around the edges, but the same core 10 have gone through a miscarriage together and first babies being born and um, death of a family member or whatever. Mm-hmm. You, you, you feel an emotional connection to that core group that is never going to like that's always going to be there. Right. There are always going to be those shared experiences that just that newcomers don't have. And yet, your like your DNA, your your, um, your general like openness to new people can still be there, and it can still be true that you have those shared experiences that never go away. Mm -hmm. And I like that's what everybody needs. (laughs) And I don't. And the problem is a lot of people don't realize they need it until they need it, and then they don't have it. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I I stand by that statement that I don't understand it for. Once you once you know what the church is and should be about, mm-hmm. I just don't get why you would not want to be part of it. Even if you're not the most devoted theologically, even if you're not as sure as the, of the creeds as the people around you saying it every week, um, even if you're only kind of partially committed to the whole idea, when you're in the hospital mm-hmm. or when somebody really love is going through it or dies or or whatever. Like not having that church is just, it's just a, it's, it's a loss. Like it's a spiritual loss. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. what I want our church to be is a Romans 12 Mm -hmm. church where somebody who, um, has had bad experiences before or only sees, you know, ridiculous Christians on a particular news channel or whatever. I can set that aside and come experience the Holy Spirit and Christ's presence here hmm. the way it's intended to be. That's what I hope for the church. Yeah. no pressure, <laughs> well, it's not up to us,
2: yeah,
0: yeah. it's up to the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and if we're um you know we'll screw things up, of course, mm-hmm. and there'll be a newcomer who comes, and nobody says hi for four weeks, just not because we don't want newcomers but because everybody's busy talking to the people they know and they just you know it's i, I don't think there's malicious intent with any yeah. of that and hopefully the holy spirit will be in the midst of i mean we know that the holy spirit is in the midst of hopefully we're paying attention to the holy spirit saying oh i don't know that person mm-hmm. i need to go introduce myself to that person or um or maybe ho- motivates that newcomer to reach out to somebody you know what i mean yeah
2: yeah so i mean i i had it later on but yeah that how important hospitality is
0: (laughs) true hospitality. So how would you define it? Like this is really important.
2: Yeah. So hospitality is, um, is not being just like friendly. It's like, it's kind of going that extra step. So like you see someone who's looking like an easy example, a new person comes in and they're like, I don't know where the nursery is. And like, well, it's down there and you'll just take a right. No, like hospitality is walking with that person down there and saying, hi, this is your first time. I'm Reagan. Can you tell me your name? We're really glad you're here. What's your kid's name? And like that, not just like a wave and bye. Um, It's really, yeah, going kind of that extra mile um, and going out of your way. um, I think it's really, I mean, hospitality is is that for for me. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how I.
0: Like to say that I'm glad you're here and mean it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and act like it yeah it's really important Mm -hmm. i mean that's what that's what the whole scripture that we read is about that
1: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i would say it's finding that point of connection with people Mm -hmm. which you can't do without going the extra mile you can't you can't do in a passing conversation or a half-hearted um welcome hi how are you um it is finding that place and that point of connection. And once you find that point, and it's also teaching and helping people to easily get to that point. Um, there are some icebreaker type things and, and some questions and some ways that you can engage with people that you don't know that we would think are, uh, are common sense or that mm-hmm. we should all know, but, um, they're not even ones that I'm natural at anymore, especially after after the pandemic. And so um and so finding those points of connection um eases the tension and the anxiety of walking into a new place.
2: Yeah. Because I think we forget that if people are visiting a church, like there's something like they wanna be there, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and realizing that people that we encounter on Sunday morning, if it's their first time, like they may have just gotten laid off of their job that week. Mm-hmm. They may have just been told by their spouse they want a divorce or they are their their parent died this week. What I mean there's or this person is coming because the church is their last option, you know. And if you can not that we need to treat everyone that like, oh, are you going through something? Is that why you're here? <laughs> but like you have such an opportunity to be Christ to people and you don't and I think we forget that. Um, oh, without yeah, we not, come it's for not
1: ourselves. Even in our brain, yeah. but then
0: I mean, theologically, as, as Methodists, we would say whether you're having a great day or your worst day, like prevenient grace is at work in your mm-hmm. life. Like God through the Holy Spirit has brought you here, mm-hmm. and so everyone that we meet, regardless of who they are, what they mm-hmm. look like, um, what kind of state they look like they're in,
3: mm-hmm.
0: we can acknowledge that the. I mean, this is going to sound very New Agey, but we can acknowledge the divine in them. Like something has brought them mm-hmm. here, and just as something brought us here, and um, God really does kind of expect us to do something about that.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, I love this this text in in Romans. Just the, I mean, I read from. I know you're going to hate that. I read from the NLT during the children's moment yesterday. I know. Ooh. I know. I, I knew, that face. I
0: knew you had an unauthorized translation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I just like. Good. No, it was good. But it's it like it was really, was
2: really love each other. I was like, oh, like there's sometimes there's verses that I'm like, oh, they just hit me different. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway. Um, okay. So, gosh, there's there were so many good things in both of your sermons. So I'm trying to like go back and Who's forth. better? We don't need to talk about that. <laughs> <here>. <laughs> um, but uh, Julie, I like that you brought in. Oh, yeah. She's going to. Oh, my ask gosh. Julie first. Fine. The, um, Just note that for the fine. record. I've noted. Uh, I've noted. Julie <laughs> noted. The Lazarus story, how we when things get hard or uncomfortable, when our community sometimes really needs us, we kind of turn away a little bit. Oh,
1: gosh. Hey, oh, yeah. So in the. In the Lazarus story, in the story of Lazarus's resurrection, uh, Jesus comes and he's with the family and he's with the community. And before he raises Lazarus from the dead, I believe it's Martha says, Jesus, are you sure there's going to be a stench? Because Lazarus has been in the tomb for three days. And yeah. And so she she's basically asking, are you really sure that you want to perform this miracle or, uh, you know, to raise my brother from the dead because it's going to smell really bad. Mm -hmm. And I wonder sometimes in our own communities and when, um, when we come up on things that are even just the slightest bit uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. but that could create community. That could be the miracle for somebody that they are looking for. If we hesitate because it's going to make us uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that is always the part that, um, sticks out in the story to me is is the questioning of what is about to happen because it's about to be really stinky. Yeah.
0: Well, so I think here's an example. So if I see somebody who I think is new mm-hmm. but I'm not entirely sure if I've met them before
1: mm-hmm.
0: am I going to be vulnerable and just ask mm-hmm. have we met and risk the, yeah, I've talked to you 15 times.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or I've been a member here for 50 years. Right.
0: Yeah. So that's about me. That's about me mm-hmm. feeling uncomfortable, not about whether it's the right thing to do or not. Yeah. And I think, I, and if I'm feeling that way as a pastor who has, interacts with a lot of people every every week, imagine if you're, you know, maybe you come two or three times a, a month or whatever,
3: mm-hmm.
0: once or twice a month, whatever it is, that same kind of discomfort, like maybe our lack of hospitality on occasion is because of that, of what you're describing.
1: That fear, yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. fear of discomfort.
2: Yeah, and I've had to train myself. Like, and I usually say <laughs> when I see someone, I go, "I'm so sorry." Like, I know you've introduced, like, especially when I know, like, I've seen them, or I'm
1: like, "Can you just tell me your name again?" Like, and people are always, oh yeah, really kind, yes, oh, yeah. very you know? genuine. Yeah, no, it's it's always so much worse in my head than really? it yes. is in reality. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, okay, uh, Chris, you you
2: talk about how we all really need each other and scripture is pretty, pretty clear. Um, did you want to elaborate on that anymore or how maybe Christians miss out on that?
0: So to me, I mean, I don't know. I think, I think our perspective as pastors or folks who are deeply involved in the church, because my wife, Whitney would say the same thing. Um, is we, there gets a point where you, um, I don't want to put this, like, I kind of want to say, like, you know, too much, you know, you know, too much about how hard life can be Mm -hmm. and for a whole variety of reasons. And, um, you know, there's going to come a time where you need someone, not necessarily like to bring you food or whatever, Mm -hmm. but you, you need somebody who's there consistently, like in your Sunday school class or in worship or whatever, who can walk with you. Even if it's not offering any assistance, like just being there for you as a spiritual uh, companion during the highs and lows of life, um, every one of us needs that. We all need that, and we never know when we're going to need it. And so, it's best to um, to have it there all the time. You know what I mean? It's like people who uh, um, go to a therapist. Consistently, whether or not there's a crisis in life, because there's going to be at some point, and if I'm not, if I don't have this relationship with this professional person who can help me through it, then I got to get them caught up to speed when something bad does happen. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, um, in in terms of Christian community, like when the world is going insane, and when society can't seem to get on the same page about anything. And the latest war breaks out in the Middle East. Like, we need this reminder of grace and forgiveness and, and peace that we have here. And uh, so it, it goes back to my, I don't know why you would deprive yourself of this. Mm-hmm. Find the right community, for sure. The right church, the church that fits your theology and, you know, whether you like a large church or a small church or whatever. Yeah. But then stay there, stick there.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Julie, I like, you. so you brought in, like, from the very beginning, where you know we shouldn't be alone, like you brought in like the creation right yeah, the
1: creation story in Genesis yeah. two, where um God creates man and then says it is not good for man to be alone so in the in the in the very beginning of scripture in in part of who we are as creation, it is not intended for us to be alone now it, theologically or and otherwise for me that maybe it's because I'm so ingrained in the church that that is not um a far-fetched idea to me. That makes sense to me. But then when I begin to look at the loneliness epidemic and I think about how individualistic our culture is, how many expectations are put on us to um, do something ourselves, get there ourselves, pull ourselves up our own bootstraps, I do wonder if I need to not assume that everybody knows that. Mm -hmm. Um, that may be out of my mouth more often needs to be, it is not good for us to be alone. Um, cause I think part of the struggle of loneliness is even admitting that you are, um, Mm -hmm. that fear once again of saying I'm disconnected and I need to be more connected. Um, that vulnerability of saying I'm going through a really hard time, um, and I need I need people around me. Um, I think that that even takes a great amount of strength, especially even more now than maybe it used to, um, because we went so long in isolation. And I think that we have a culture that's telling us, get it done yourself, hmm. figure it out on your own. Um, that's countercultural um, to what the scripture is saying and to what the Christian community is all about. Mm-hmm. So Chris, you
2: talked about, The three different types of loneliness. Do you remember remember what they are off the top of your head?
0: Uh, Yeah. Existential, let's see, emotional loneliness is the absence of meaningful relationships.
2: Mm. Okay.
0: So you don't have enough people that you're connected with. Social loneliness is a deficit in the quality of those social connections. So you might know a ton of people, but you're not deeply connected to any of them. And then existential loneliness is a feeling of fundamental separateness from others and the wider world. Wow. And if the Christian mm-hmm. community addresses all of these we'll, when we're doing it right. Mm-hmm. And so I think of like a lonely teenager who doesn't have enough, maybe a, an only child whose parents are separated or in conflict or whatever mm-hmm. that uh, doesn't connect easily with the kids at school. So mm-hmm. you you might be in a crowd of people all day long and still be profoundly lonely mm-hmm. or um, uh, a retired person who is was a wit- recent widow or widower, maybe just moved into an assisted living community has not yet, maybe they're not wired to take advantage of all the kind of social opportunities that, that those communities offer. Um, like there's lots of ways that this can show up, but the data show that it shows up across generations. Mm-hmm. And for a while during the pandemic, it got st- statistically much, much worse. We've come out of that a little bit, but still across the board, like a third of any given generation is feels this sense of loneliness and isolation, which can be the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day.
1: Mm-hmm. That's wild in terms of yeah. your mortality.
0: Like you're, yeah, yeah. You know, you're, uh, the, like biochemically, it's yes. bad for you to be like that. And so, whatever, like Genesis two. I read that metaphorically, Mm -hmm. but it's got profound theological truth in it. Right, we were not made to be alone, even even during um, the era of like the the desert fathers and mothers. Like they would live in a cave, high up where they have to climb up, but they would live in clusters with other right with other monks and
2: Mm -hmm. nuns. I guess living with my friends, yeah, my dream. Yeah,
0: not like that though. I mean, that's not that's not the way they did it. You're nearby,
2: I'm good.
1: I just need a Target and just a, a coffee a cave, shop. Just a cave and a Target
0: and a coffee but shop. But you want to live like in a compound with other yeah. friends, right?
2: Yeah, basically. Yeah.
1: I mean, it could be one big house. I, oh I'm God. the one like who that? needs my own house. Oh, Reagan's yeah. like, but we could share one. I'm like, no, we couldn't. <laughs> we Come could on be now. Neighbors. I'll be next door, but <laughs> I will, <laughs> with, need I will dig a tunnel. <laughs> think i won't (laughs) she she is the friend that will come find me Okay, you can't go too far
2: (laughs) Uh, but um no the whole like as you were preaching i'm like man do i just need to start like a a lonely club or something Mm. like put a banner out and be like are you lonely we're meeting here for like hamburgers like i don't know i just started Mm. thinking like how do we how do we reach those people
0: well so, so talk about that like you're you're Uh, job title changed recently yeah like so you know Kristen's kind of doing the sunday school class but you've got a whole different thing that you're working on so talk about that
2: yeah so outreach and engagement so you know we we did a couple we handed out a card and then we also did a survey and trying to figure out like what do people want but i mean as we were preaching i was just thinking about okay how how do we get our message out or what do we do that would be of interest to people that are not connected to a church Mm -hmm. or the people that are hesitant to be part of a church community. Like what are the kinds of things, subjects or topics or events, you know, so we're trying to, to start different things. You know, we've got our mom's group that we're trying to reach out to other moms. Um, you know, we're doing that cowboy watch party, which you're like, Oh, what's that? I'm like, well, it's just, it's a connection point because people have been saying like, we don't know one another. And so we're trying a little bit of just simply social things. We're trying to do, Um, What
0: are you doing with the senior adults? Like talk about that?
2: So yeah, so we're uh, we're meeting for lunch uh, next week to kind of talk about what kinds of events and things would we want to do. Um, I'm doing a breakfast club the first Wednesday of the month just inviting either new visitors or new members or long-term members, just a chance to get to know one another on like a smaller scale because some people are overwhelmed by big things. Some people like smaller, you know, so we're just, right now I'm just throwing ideas to figure out. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Because this is the everyone needs it yes and so uh, the church at its best figures out a way to meet those needs mm-hmm. for different personalities yeah so your first wednesday breakfast mm-hmm. is where and when
2: it's at first watch i love the first watch. i do love first watch. At i Cust- do too. at custom park and parker um and so like More time. uh like seven forty-five. okay so i drop off my oldest at school and then i go right there okay um yeah just a chance to like get to know one another and so and have really great toast and have really great toast and all
0: that with avocados on it
1: no, she just likes regular just toast. Toast. butter and jelly they have it is artisan bread, mm. Chris it is not just toast it is yeah we call it toast
0: well. but you like to sit with avocado on it
2: I just love everything they make yeah <laughs> okay. its it's all good yeah. So yeah, we're just, we're trying to meet the needs because people, I mean, there's so much evidence of people being lonely. People do want to get to know one another. Like I watched the Plano Moms group, like Facebook, and it's like, people just want, they're like, I just moved here. I don't know anybody like people, but we don't know how to do that. And so, okay, let's try this. Let's do this. You know. So if you have ideas, listeners like, hey, it would be great if we could do this or could we go there? I am all ears right now, like, so. Well,
1: but so many of the things that you just mentioned are not in the walls of the church. I yeah. mean, in terms of reaching other people, it's going where people are mm-hmm. um, and, and, and being outside the walls of the church, because some of what is so intimidating about coming to church is the physical building itself yeah. and walking in by yourself. Um And so I think that it, it is taking a level of what either feels threatening or feels, most uncomfortable about the church and and removing that barrier, and so I think the more that we can remove barriers for people and meet them where we are that that is mm-hmm. that's the connection point to me
2: yeah i I taught on Zacchaeus this morning, and I mm-hmm. talked about how like um sometimes we're the barriers to the Zacchaeus, and so the Zacchaeus is having to climb up a tree in order to see God, so like like are we the barrier to people, yeah, <laughs> like what can we do to make sure? They have like open access to, I don't know, just got me thinking. It was a good, good class. Okay. <laughs> was uh, that a humble brag? It was a humble brag. <laughs> no, the <laughs> a no, the women are just great. They have so many good things to talk about. What do you think, uh, Chris, i ask you, what does a mutual affection mean to you from that scripture?
0: Uh, yeah, that's a good question. So to me, you know, there's, I think probably most people know that there's different words for love in mm-hmm. Greek. And so there's um, philos, philos. That's about kind of uh, sibling love. Mm-hmm. And then there's obviously romantic love. And then there's the love of God, which God shows to us. And so that you know, it's great. Thirteenth chapter of First Corinthians, which most people connect with weddings, <laughs> really describes God's love for us. So when you read that in the Wesley Study Bible, that that section's under the subheading "Marks of a True Christian," and then the call underneath talks about how um, it's not just that we're Called to love each other. I mean, that's a the commandment's clear, but there. But how that happens is Mm -hmm. is a little more detailed. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a like in the in the law of Moses, there's lots and lots of commands dealing with how to love people. Mm -hmm. And so, um, treating one another with mutual affection means with grace, with forgiveness, seeing each other the way God sees us. And that's obviously a lot easier to do with people like your family and all that. Mm -hmm. But we're, I mean, that's what the community of the church is called to be. So if somebody does something that hurts your feelings or or makes you mad or whatever, working through that with the, from the foundational assumption that we're, you know, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ and, um, we're called to outdo one another. I love that. I love that image. Outdo one another and showing honor Mm -hmm. to each other. Um, because that's. Imagine, I mean, if if we imagine how Christ taught us, like God Mm -hmm. becomes one of us and goes through all that God went through in in Jesus uh, to reconcile us with God, like that's our, that's our model. Elsewhere in uh, Philippians, he says, um, like to have the mind of Christ, you know, so that love that we have for one another is not self-serving or self-seeking. It's, it's for the good of the other. Mm. Which is a very high bar, but man, does that change the way you interact with one
2: another. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Julie, you talked about you wish the scripture said some assembly required. Mm -hmm. Can you explain
1: well, okay. that was mainly a play on words for me, you know, okay. thinking about uh, the things you buy and have to put together yourself. And it just says some assembly required. I feel like Paul is giving me these instructions that just right back to back, just boom, boom, boom. Here's her- here's what you're supposed to do. Here's, here's how you're supposed to do it. Um, and and I wanted the scripture to also say some assembly is required here. You have to come together and do this with other people. You cannot love and be loving and make sure it is sincere and genuine if you are by yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, it's, it's things that need to be put into practice and, uh, those things are only put into practice when we are in community with each other. And when we start with those assumptions of honor, Mm -hmm. right. And, 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 and actually practice that and not just say it or, um, or, or think it's a nice thought. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Honoring.
2: I feel like we don't use that terminology a lot. Like I want our generation doesn't right. Yeah. I don't know.
1: So, um, I, but I like it though. Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. good. Because uh, I think that at the very core of what we need and what everyone desires is—is, is, um, I think you can say it differently, but it's—it's it's typically respect of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, like my dignity. daughter got
2: my daughter got the word for
1: respect. That didn't surprise school. me because she—it's so. around dignity <laughs> and 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 showing dignity towards one another.
0: Um, it's like two humble brags in like five minutes. I
1: know. I know. It's Just, our character.
2: <laughs> i
0: like it i like the confidence
1: so i to a brag about my girl
0: so what did she do to earn the respect thing
2: um so she's her teacher sent emails that she is so respectful of, of her and all of her peers and she's so helpful and so kind to everyone and she loves being her teacher
0: i feel like i haven't seen her in a while
2: who andy yeah oh she's around she's around is she
0: mm-hmm. on sunday mornings
2: yeah she wasn't here this past sunday
0: like what, what did she do on sunday because she didn't sit with bob
2: Um, sometimes she does.
1: Sometimes she, she's with Rachel and Jude. Sometimes she
2: helps in the nursery. She Uh, likes to help uh,
0: with the babies. Again, the respectful thing.
1: Yep. Well, she's also just very protective too. So when we put in a swing (laughs) set at our house, she came over after we'd put it in and she She tested it. Well, she tested it and there was like her and a couple other friends on it. And she looked at Kyle and said, if this thing falls over while we're on it, that's on you. Whoa. (laughs) Wow. <laughs> and can I tell you, we dug a hole about four feet down after that, and that thing doesn't move now.
2: <laughs> She's so assertive. I'm like, she I, is. Wish, I wish I could be like her. Yeah. And Listen, anyway.
1: that's on you. If that's the, if on if you. This falls over with us on it.
2: Yeah. Um. Okay, Chris, in this past week's sermon, week two, you had a couple really great litanies of imagine, and then you had one of like, should. Can you hmm. read both of those and then? Talk about them.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Litany's kind of like poetry. Ooh. <laughs> that's that's a callback to that's our a callback previous. to.
0: Yeah. I haven't changed my opinion on poetry. That's fair. Um, I'll keep
1: working. <laughs> <laughs> you
0: gotta write a poem. Ooh, okay. And then we can assess it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Good.
0: <laughs> Doesn't right. that sound great? That Doesn't that sound great. like outdoing one another? <laughs> <Yes>. another? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, let's see. So the imagine one first? Mm-hmm. So, um, so my, my point here was, is after the second, after I read the end of the scripture and we talked about those three kinds of loneliness, you know, mm-hmm. and how the, the church is called to offer that. So imagine a place where everyone is welcomed without judgment. That's easy to say out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of, you can push that mm-hmm. pretty far. Oh, yeah. Like all of us instinctively say, oh, of course, I welcome everyone without judgment. And then you're like, well, what about, And what about this type of person? And what about, so Mm -hmm. uh, imagine a place where every newcomer feels as though they're loved and needed Mm -hmm. and not just occupying a pew and not acknowledged. Right. Yeah. Imagine a place where we accept everyone unconditionally for who they are rather than who we think they should be.
1: Mm -hmm. Ooh, now that one's hard
0: because the thing is like you, you just have to assume that God's going to do the transformation. Right. Like, Being here is the first step. Mm -hmm. This does tie into AA later. Mm -hmm. Uh, Imagine a place with no barriers to entry. A place where you're truly welcome even on your toughest day.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. And then the kind of, the litany that I kind of poetically, Mm -hmm. in a non-rhyming way, (laughs) carried through the whole, the whole, um, sermon was that Like imagine a place of kindness and generosity and grace. Like that's what the church should be. Kindness Mm -hmm. and generosity and grace. Way too many churches. I mean, the churches who uh, I talked about a Pew Foundation um, survey about how Americans feel about churches and mainline Protestants have the lowest unfavorability rating um, and a, a pretty good favorability rating, comparatively speaking, but still only 30%. Wow. And the places that have very high unfavorability ratings are places where it's not, there's no hospitality. There's no kindness, generosity, or grace for certain groups of people. And obviously I'm thinking of the gay lesbian, LGBTQ Mm -hmm. community, right? I mean, that's the the most obvious uh, example. Or, I mean, there's some churches that do not, I mean, you're fine to occupy a pew, but you're not really invited to do anything else if you've been divorced, for example. I mean, there's there's lots of ways that, that that lifts itself out. But that, that type of community that we're called to imagine is the kind of church that Paul's describing. And he's writing to this church that was like, there's, there's lots of details of that Roman stuff that I didn't get into. Um, what happened in the mid, uh, first century is that, uh, Jews, Jewish people were expelled from Rome and that included, uh, Jewish Christians because they had the affiliation with the Jewish community. Well, a later emperor revoked that expul- expulsion order, and they were allowed to come back. And But the Gentile Christians had all the best seats in the house and all the positions of leadership and all the most positions of influence. Now these other folks are coming back who are already different because they had this weird Jewish background from the mm-hmm. Gentile perspective. Mm. And so Paul's like, y'all. The famous litany in Romans or the famous phrase in Romans where he says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God is not to make us feel bad for having sinned. It's to call out the one, the Christians who were judging one another. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we're all, we're all behind the eight ball when it comes to the whole question of how we're living our lives. So how about if we welcome one another with grace, like Christ welcomed us. Um, So when he's giving that long list of commands and and what is, I guess the three through 18 that's what he's talking about.
2: Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's good.
0: So take that division and imagine mm-hmm. any kind of division in the church today. Mm-hmm. But what, there's plenty of, like, you know, the United Methodist Church had this whole season of disaffiliation mm-hmm. where, um, you know, more conservative churches left. And there was a time when you, we couldn't couldn't all be in the same room without there being this tension. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Paul would be like, y'all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have you not read the Bible? Mm-hmm. I, yeah. wrote it, I wrote it a long time ago. Stop acting like that.
2: Like, <laughs> and I think there was another section you put should.
0: We should show mutual affection to one another, that whole section. Mm-hmm. So we should be authentic in all of our diversity. In other words, we don't have to show up pretending to be something we're not or pretending to be all the same thing. Like we can be, I'm a more liberal Christian. You're a more conservative Christian. I'm um, a Christian who's been to 15 different traditions, church shopping, and landed in this one. I'm a cradle Methodist. Like we shouldn't have to Hide any of that. Um, that's part of the beauty of the church is its diversity. We should show each other mutual affection. Um, we should be hospitable to strangers, intentionally inviting the newcomer in the community of the church. I love this part. Um, we should be empathetic to the struggles and sufferings of others. If somebody's rude to us or somebody seems off, they could just be having a terrible, terrible day. Like we have no idea what tragedy mm-hmm. or or crisis they're they're going through. Paul specifically says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Yeah. That's not our first instinct necessarily. No. Uh we should be humble servants of God, convinced that everyone is an essential part of this place. And then we should outdo one another and yeah. showing our. It's just I, I it's just such a great chapter.
2: Yeah. I, yeah, it's a really good one. Um okay, and then you mentioned, Chris, about how AA is known for creating such a wonderful community. Yeah. Uh, say more about that, and then I was curious if there's any other organizations or groups that we think, oh man, they they do it really well.
0: So a really cool thing happened after one of the services. Somebody came up to me, uh, and he's you know he's been in Bible studies with me and I know him pretty well, and he said he has always thought that AA was the closest thing to what the church should be, and he never and he was always embarrassed to say that out loud. Yeah. And he said and he said yesterday as the the first. Ten minutes of the sermon, I'm thinking, man, he's describing AA, <laughs> and then I closed with that mm. illustration. So I thought, wow, well, that's that's pretty cool. I mean, the thing about AA is that Alcoholics Anonymous is that it's focused on one thing, like helping people find God to transform their lives. And oh my God, is that not what is the that church, not church? I mean, yeah. that is the church, right? Mm-hmm. The thing is that singularity of purpose means, I mean, in some respects, and certainly for some churches in the case of some churches, that AA is better at that than the church is.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, in AA, it's talk, they talk about a higher power. It's not specifically mm-hmm. Jesus, but it's the same idea.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing that I, because I've been to an AA meeting with a church member before, and like, what was always so interesting to me is people that are like, well, like, because I was in Dallas, so like, well, I'm here on business, but I needed to be, like, interesting about how like, I mean, I'm a nerd. When I travel places, I love to visit other churches, Mm. but being like so committed, like I'm so, I love being part of church. I love being a community that I want to go see what other communities are doing. Like, Mm. I know there's different reasons for going to, but there's that commitment of.
0: The spiritual need of needing to go to a meeting when you're out of town. Yeah. We have the same need as Christians. We just don't want to name it that. Yeah. Like we don't like to, we don't like to be that vulnerable. I mean, and let's an alcoholic isn't that vulnerable until they've hit rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Right. So, I mean, there's, there's something that's caused them to be that passionate about being in the group. But imagine if every follower of Jesus was that passionate about needing that grace and forgiveness and community every single day. Cause Oh my God,
3: we do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm wrapping up, but so is this community just up to the staff or the clergy to build here at our church?
0: I, well, I mean, it's your, Title. So, I think it's up to you, Reagan. It's, up it's all me. up to you. Oh, that's not well, Brittany. Good. Brittany <laughs> and Brittany, Brittany. Yeah. No, that's not. I mean, the obvious thing is, like, we the the goal for us should be to um, uh, nurture a culture, reinforce a culture mm-hmm. that exhibits these kinds of behaviors. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I like to brag on the church. I'm, I, like I said, I'm an optimist about the church. I think. We're imperfect, of course, but I think we're wired to do that. And so the the thing um, that we should be doing is just reminding ourselves of that all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, how you do that on a weekly basis, I don't know exactly what that would look like, but obviously it's all of our responsibility.
3: Yeah.
1: I was with one of our older Sunday school classes that's been together for 20 plus years um, a couple Sundays ago and I'm always so encouraged when I go into classes like that because it reminds me that the older generation of the church knows how to do this because they know it's not dependent on staff or on clergy um, okay. it is it is it is their own, little it is their own village it is their own group of people and they are dependent on one another um and even just the way that the structure of the class flows and you know it's it it always just makes me incredibly thankful um for for a generation that that taught us to do that well um and that is still modeling doing that well um because i leave those going okay this is not this is not something that is unachievable. This is something that in, in its best forms does exist. Um, and that we just need to get more people to be a part of.
2: Yeah. I think empowering our, our congregation to realize, um, that we need, you know, we need their help and they are very capable of, of bringing people into the church and making like a first time guest or visitor may come back because someone in the pew said hi, not because any of us said hi to right. them, but the way that they, and then the way that we can't be everywhere in the community. All of you, like our, our congregation is all over this community. So whether you're at the grocery store, at a coffee shop or at a park, like you can be part of bringing people into this community here at Christ United. And, um, again, it goes back to like being Christ where, to people, wherever you are, no matter what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: well, and the number one thing that brings a person to a church is an invitation from a friend. Yeah. Right? Yep. It's not even close. It's not even close 2nd Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
2: Um. Okay. So what's what do you think our action items are for our community or us as a staff?
0: Well, we, I mean, we need to continue to offer lots of stuff, but we also, the, like, answer the surveys.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? The online survey, the in-person survey, Be be talking about what's important to you get connected yourself for Mm -hmm. sure i mean that's essential Mm -hmm. and then where you see a need bring it up and we'll uh we can talk about it
2: yeah yeah so keep them coming we've got a lot of good responses already but um my encouragement would be if you are looking for a community like it is it can be intimidating and scary to, to show up to something or to try something but like as we know like it's worth it, and like we not, we're not—we're not created; we're not meant to walk through life. We don't expect you to have twenty best friends, to be, but to be connected to even just a couple people, um, can completely change your life. So, Amen. yeah.
0: All right. So next up is going to be stewardship, loving God, serving others, transforming lives. That's the next three weeks, and we have a couple of fun things coming up. We got the meet and eat this weekend, or mm-hmm. yeah, this coming Sunday on the fifteenth. Yeah. Uh, we have Fall Fest on mm-hmm. the 22nd.
2: Well, on Monday we have Cowboys Watch Party. We have Cowboys oh,
0: Watch right. Party where they play the Chargers, Char- Chargers. Mm-hmm. in L.A.
1: Mm-hmm. Man, we need a good game. Oh my, <laughs> you <Woofety>. Last <laughs> that,
0: night was a beating. It was. I and didn't stay up for it. And then Celebration Sunday on yep. the 29th. Mm-hmm. So lots of good stuff coming up. Uh, we appreciate you spending this time with us and we'll be back again in three weeks with another episode of Script.
1: Thanks for joining us for this episode of off script. It was hosted by Reverend Chris Dowd and Reverend Reagan Gilland. Produced by Ashley Danner as a part of the Christ United Podcast Ministries. You can visit cumc.com/podcasts in order to see all of the series we have available. Like, subscribe, and follow us so that you don't miss a single episode. Thank you for supporting us. Have a great week.